This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our latest podcast. We've got a lot going on with players reporting this week in both St. Petersburg and Port Charlotte for the Rays. We do have a breakdown of the players that will be in camp on our blog. You can check it out at raiseradio.moblogs.com. We also have there an overview of the key questions that Tampa Bay will have to answer in putting together its 30-man roster for the opener later in July. Now, one of the players that will be in St. Petersburg will join us in a bit. That's lefty reliever Colin Pochet. We'll also look ahead to the next few weeks with Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. We'll chat, too, with one of the prospects that will be in Port Charlotte. That's starting pitching prospect Shane Boz. Plus, none of this year's draft picks will be in Port Charlotte, but they all have signed now. And Senior Director of Amateur Scouting Rob Metzer will be alongside to discuss this year's draft class. We'll start, though, with this year's team, and we appreciate having a lefty on right now who was an important part of last year's group and hopefully will be the same this year. That is Colin Pochet. Thanks for being with us, and how are you doing? Good, good. Uh, You know, healthy, feeling strong, and uh, ready to go. What was the feeling when a deal was finally done for you? What was your reaction? Uh, It was a lot of relief, you know, for a while. For a while, we thought, you know, know, we're going to play for sure. There's no doubt about it. And then... You know, it got to the point where we weren't so sure, and it's just, you know, it's it's nice to finally have something in place to where, you know, we get to be back with all our teammates and, you know, doing doing the stuff we love. What has the last few months been like for you, and where have you spent it? Um, so I've, I've been in Houston at my apartment with uh, my fiancé here, and uh, for me it's been, um, you know, pretty similar to kind of the off-season schedule. Um, I go out to Texas Baseball Ranch, the place where, you know, I throw and stuff. And um, I've been able to go out there and, you know, they have, I have access to everything I need out there to throw bullpens and all that, lift weights. So um, it, it's been, you know, outside of, you know, not going to restaurants and all that, it's been pretty similar to just a normal off-season, but uh, obviously a little more uncertainty with the season. Has it been at all the last couple of weeks a little bit scary? But I've, because I've seen the numbers in Texas and especially in Houston, the hospitalizations, et cetera, have gone way up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we I hear about it on the news, but um, you know, I feel like we're doing the right things when we go places. If we do, you know, we we got masks on, this and that, and um, you know, we've we just basically try to avoid as many you know public crowded places as we can. So. Um, you know, we're not, we're not like, uh, too afraid of it cause we feel like we're doing the right stuff. What has, um, your routine been then? Like you kind of said, Hey, where you've been working out, but you know, were mm-hmm. you throwing bullpens twice a week? Were you, what, what, how much running did you do? What kind of things did you do to keep in shape? Because it's kind of a weird now sprint season. Yeah. Um, so, you know, early on I was, you know, maybe not throwing as many bullpens, but, uh, you know, kind of been ramping it up lately. So I've been doing, you know, probably two bullpens a week. 
maybe the last three weeks or so I've been incorporating, you know, throwing to some live hitters, some uh, like pro hitters around the area. Um, we've had some places coordinate that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've been able to face hitters and stuff like that. And just uh, basically, you know, we were at a point where we were ready to go. So I was, I was basically just trying to keep, keep that level of readiness and, you know, I feel good and I feel strong going into it. And yeah, like you said, it's going to be a sprint. So, um, you know, I'm ready for, you know, however many appearances they need me in those 60 games. Does it make it a little easier mentally knowing that you're not conserving for six months? You're, you're going out there for just two plus hopefully postseason? Um, a little bit, you know, it's, it's nice to know that, um, I guess you don't have to worry about being prepared, you know, as long, but, um, you know, kind of the thing I'm worried about is just, uh, with the shorter spring training and stuff like that, like a lot of pitchers, you need that time to build up your arm properly. And, uh, you know, three weeks is good, but like for, for starting pitchers and stuff like that, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned on, uh, you know, how they're going to be coming into the season because, Typically, uh, you know, the months of spring training, that's when arm injuries spike. You know, it's, you know, it is a long season, but you're more likely to get hurt at the beginning stage of it. So because of that quick ramp up. So, um, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about that for, you know, myself and especially my teammates. You know, you're not you're not sure what everybody's doing and you're not sure what everyone has access to. And so, you know, we want to play baseball. But at the end of the day, you know, I want I want everyone to be healthy and this and that. And so. Um, you know, that's something that I'm sure they're going to monitor really well as guys' workloads going in and, you know, they're not going to push guys. And um, it's going to really be up to guys to listen to their body and, you know, not be afraid to be honest about how they're feeling. And I think Kyle has probably been as, as caring and thoughtful about a pitching staff as you could imagine, and the same with the training staff with Joe Ben. So at least from a mental frame of mind, I'm sure that has to help the guys. Yeah, no doubt. We know, we know um, we're definitely in good hands with Kyle and with Joe. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think that plays into the concern at all. It's just the quick ramp up time can be tough for some guys, depending on, you know, what they're able to do. But, um, you know, as far as, as far as those guys go and, and the people who are, you know, looking out for us, you know, we couldn't be in a better position in that, in that term. No doubt. And you had mentioned that during this period you spent, you know, it with your fiance, Jessica, can you even do any wedding planning during a pandemic from home or how does that work? Um, you know, we, we were looking at some venues, so we had to do, you know, the virtual tours and this and that, but, you know, thankfully everything's basically on online now anyway. So we've been able to kind of nail some of that down, but, uh, you know, I, I leave most of that to her. <laughs> Has the list come up yet or when, or do you even have a, a season or a date yet? Um, we, we're planning on, you know, uh, November of next, next year. So we've got some, we still got some time to kind of figure all that out. That's a good thing. Uh, especially with <laughs> everything going on in the world right now. Exactly. Speaking of, you know, you've been, I think, active in a good way on social media in a lot of ways. Um, some with humor. Um, what, what led you to put out your, your tweet about traffic jams, uh, during the, and explain it to our fans who may not have seen it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I saw a lot of those tweets early on. You know, guys were saying, uh, you know, day so-and-so without baseball. You know, I went and did this to remember what it felt like. And um, it just – the joke kind of popped up in my head. You know, I think I said, uh, you know, intentionally drove into the traffic to, to, you know, get the feeling of getting out of a jam again. And it 
it just stuck with me. It, it just kind of popped to me, and I thought, you know, it would be a funny thing to share with people who are, you know, missing baseball just, just like we are. You got, obviously, a great reaction out of that. And I thought also, um, in a more serious way, uh, how you handled um, um, your personal situation and related it to Tamir Rice and Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that to our fans and, and, and why you did it and then what the reaction has been since? Um, so for me, it was really just to share to people that, you know, I, I had the same, the same experience with just a drastically different outcome. And I just, um, you know, it wasn't to, you know, point to one thing or any or another, but just to, you know, show people that, you know, like we go through experiences and they just have different outcomes based on different variables that sometimes we can't even control. So, um, you know, I read about his case and just, all the similarities kind of struck me and I, I just, you know, I thought it'd be a good thing to share. And, you know, I'm glad I did. There's been, you know, I've had tons of people reach out saying, you know, the exact same thing happened to me, but you know, obviously my outcome was good. And, you know, I, I hear a lot about that. Um, so it was just, I thought it was just a good, a good time to kind of, you know, share my story and, and speak out about it. Um, and just, you know, hopefully get things moving in the right direction. And and the response has, by and large, been pretty positive all the way through. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely definitely received a lot of positive stuff. Um, you know, as it goes with anything, there's there's the negative stuff that comes along with it, and people who want to um, people who want to downplay, you know, your personal experience and the experience of others. And um, I think that's part of the issue that you know we have just with the whole movement in general is there's certain people who are going to deny it and, uh, you know, resist and try to, you know, tell you that, you know, your experiences, you know, aren't, aren't indicative of what's going on everywhere. And, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, your, your own personal experience isn't what other people experience in certain situations. So, um, it's just good to share all your viewpoints and, um, you know, knowing that there's going to be negatives with it, that you, you can't be afraid to speak up above it, but, you know, overall, the, the positive stuff that I got out of it, it just, it drowned out the negatives in a huge way. Well, you should be happy the way you handled that situation. I, I hope, you know, I know the Rays are proud of the way you handled that. Um, as we get back to baseball a little bit, what is going to be, you've probably seen all the changes that are, that are going to exist. What's going to be the mm -hmm. hardest part for you? Um, you know, the thing that sticks out to me is, you know, some of the restrictions on, um, you know, like weight room time and, uh, you know, time in the training room and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of guys have certain routines that they live by and that, you know, it, it honestly helps you prepare for a game, just being able to be in that routine and, um, you know, not to mention keeping your body, you know, the, in, in the way you want it to be. So, um, I think there's going to be, you know, there'll be adjustment periods. We'll have to figure it out. We'll have to just, you know, logistically kind of figure everything out. But it's it's something we can't really plan for because, you know, no one, nobody's gone through a season like this. So, you know, we'll really have to do just the old baseball saying, take it one day at a time. And everyone's going to have to be super, uh, you know, adaptable and adjust to just whatever's thrown at us. Do you think going through college – with Dallas Baptist helps being at a good program where you're playing a, in essence, a sprint season, you're playing 50 some games. This is 60. Does that help in any way? 
Uh, I think so. Just, just the sense of urgency from day one is there. Um, you know, obviously the difference is, is our 60 games are condensed under a shorter, a shorter time period than you would in college. So I think having that college experience where you, you have the experience of a, a shorter season where, you know, the sense of urgency is there from day one, combining that with, you know, having some professional seasons under my belt where you're still playing every single day. I think, I think that's going to be really beneficial. And how about the thought of no fans, at least for some part of the season? What would that be like? And have you experienced anything like that before? Um, you know, it's, it's going to be strange, I think, because you're going to be in some of these, you know, huge stadiums and they're going to be empty. But, um, you know, we've all played in front of no fans growing up, college, you know, in the minor league. Sometimes there's not a lot of people there. So, um, guys, you know, guys have ways of getting themselves ready for a game and kind of getting themselves hyped up to the level they need to be. But it's just going to be another adjustment people are going to have to make. You know, a lot of guys, and, you know, me included, feed off of, you know, crowd energy and the crowd noise and all that. And just, you know, the crowd kind of sets the energy in the stadium. And, and uh, so that'll it'll be an adjustment. But, um, you know, I think it's something we'll get used to. I think, you know, I've been – kind of like checking in on some of the highlights from the Korean games and stuff. So they seem to be handling it fine. Um, it'll be weird at first, but I think it's something we'll get used to. I would think for a younger team, it may be easier because you can generate some of your own energy and you haven't been used to the huge crowds at a big league stadium for a while. Do you think that may play true? Yeah, definitely. I think, just as a team, like you said, we're so, we're, uh, you know, we're so young and we just have, we have a ton of guys who play with a lot of passion and a lot of energy. And I think, um, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the energy in the team comes from that as opposed to the crowds anyway, you know, you see certain guys playing hard and doing things a certain way and it, it just fires up the whole team. So, you know, I think we'll have to have more of that, you know, guys running hard nineties down the base, you know, sliding hard into second trying to take the extra base just all the all the hustle plays that you see that really kind of give energy to your team we're going to have to kind of key in on that and uh you know just as teammates we're really going to have to you know do a good job of kind of hyping each other up and you know letting letting your teammates know when they do something good to kind of bring energy to the whole team have you pitched in the rule or in a minor league game where you've pitched extra innings with a guy starting on second and if so, what was that like? I, I haven't been on the mound personally, but I've been a part of some of those games. And it's it's really strange because it just brings me back to, you know, when I'm like 10, 11 years old, and those are always the extra inning rules. So um, it, it seems a little strange. It's a little weird to just plant a guy on second base at the beginning of the inning. But, you know, I get the basis behind it. You know, we can't really be having 18 inning games, this and that with, with all that's going on. But uh, you know, to be honest, I, I hope it's it's a just this year thing, but it's just another thing we'll have to adjust to. Yeah, I, I would imagine there are at least some guys on your team that have dealt with it before, so at least the familiarity would would help in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt, it it definitely helps, and you know, there's definitely some strategy to it. Um, you know, obviously, as the home team, you get to be you get to kind of choose your strategy, whereas, you know, the visiting team, you kind of have to decide how you want to play it without seeing what the other team does. Well, let's hope that there are very few games you have to worry about winning in extra innings. And then yeah, for sure. Let's, let's just handle it in nine. <laughs> no question. What did you learn from last year overall 
Um, you had a lot of really good moments in your first year in the big leagues that you think are going to help you and this team this year. Um, you know, I think I just kind of learned, I call it kind of just riding the wave, you know, there's going to be stretches where you're going to maybe even, you know, outperform how you're actually playing. And then there's going to be stretches where you feel like, you know, you're throwing the ball well, this and that, and things aren't just, just aren't falling the right way. So, um, you know, I really learned to just kind of keep that even mindset, you know, when things are going well, don't, don't get too high. And, you know, when things aren't going poorly, you know, don't get, don't get down on yourself. But, uh, you know, another thing is just, just kind of, you know, learning how to fail is how do you deal with that failure and move on? Because as a reliever and, you know, outside of being a starting or a starting pitcher, you're going to be out there almost every day. So how do you fail one day and, you know, not let it carry over to the next day? And so I think, um, you know, a lot of guys on the team kind of helped me with that. And it's just, it's something you kind of have to go through to learn the lesson, but it was, it was, uh, you know, I can, I can remember Oliver Drake kind of telling me, um, you know, after I had a bad outing and then maybe the next day I had a good one and he was like, you know, just remember, like, remember how you felt after that bad outing. And then now you had a good one and, you know, like, that bad outing is, is, is almost as bad as it's going to get and you bounce back from it. So nothing on the baseball field that happens is going to make you feel worse than that did. You know, like there's nothing on the field that can happen that is going to make you feel worse than blowing a lead for your team. So when you go through that and you come out on the other end and have a good game the next day, then, you know, no matter what, you know, you're going to be fine as long as you just kind of keep moving on. Well, hopefully there's a lot more highs than lows for this group <laughs> personally overall. We wish you a lot of success as you get ready for the start of the 2020 season. It's going to be a different one, but hopefully just as much success, if not more than last year. Colin, thanks for a few minutes. Absolutely. Thanks, Neil. That's Colin Poche, and we wish him well as he gets started in St. Petersburg. Joining us now to discuss Poche and the rest of the Rays, vying for the 30-man opening roster, is a guy who will not be on the roster, but certainly will have an important part in his role with Fox Sports Sun, and that is Doug Wachter. Doug? Yeah, I'm doing good. You know, I was a little upset. I wasn't on the uh, 60 names, one of the 60 names that they came out with for the race. But, uh, you know, since the last time I pitched, I, I maybe could bump it up to around 80, 81 miles an hour. I'll probably get a few strikes over, but not sure where they land. So uh, I don't blame them for not adding to that roster. As a guy who has gone through major league seasons before, but never anything like this, what would be the greatest challenge if you were now – in camp with the Rays, be it in St. Pete or in Port Charlotte? By far, the absolute biggest challenge for me as a former pitcher would be to have to go out there and not see really any spring training action, and I'm talking game-type action, uh, and then you have to go out into a major league setting and go pitch. I mean, you're used to going out there for six weeks competing in games that technically, I mean, don't count even though you put pressure on yourself to do well. But you're teaching yourself how to get ready for a major league season, not just physically, but mentally. Now, physically, you know, that's one side of it. These guys will be built up. Kyle Snyder, he's going to do a, you know, an amazing job of getting them ready, getting them healthy, and at least build them up to, you know, three, four innings, I would think, if not more, if they can do more. Uh, and then after that, maybe they'll piggyback guys throughout the first part of the season. But mentally, you got to think about it as a pitcher. You go out there and you haven't seen anybody except for maybe some live BP sessions where you go out and you basically are throwing the ball as hard as you can, trying to spot up at times. 
but you're not really, there's nothing on the line. Then you go out in your first game and you got runners on base and you have to throw a 2-0, you know, off-speed pitch for a strike to get an out or the game could get sideways quick. I mean, that pressure, you need to kind of work yourself into that type of mentality. And without having that during spring training, uh, I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for not only the race, but for the entire league. A lot of people say that it, it really will show who has the best clubhouse culture. Because if you're able to help your teammate get that much more ready and be that much more intense in these simulated games that they're going to have for about three weeks, that's going to give you a better chance of being ready for that real game. Right. Right. And I agree 100%. I mean, look, the culture with the Rays, you know, these guys will go out and do some simulated games uh, and they'll be challenging each other. They're going to be on top of each other. They're going to be competitive. Uh, it's just so hard to mimic a true major league setting, though. And doing it during inner squad and doing it during live BP, it's going to be a struggle. But I agree. I mean, the Rays are they're going to be one of the most competitive teams out there when it comes to trying to win and being focused. So uh, if anybody has an advantage, it's probably going to be our team. Doug, does it help that the advancement is going from a simulated game to at least a game where you're not going to have fans? While the game counts, the, the environment, the atmosphere is certainly going to be a little bit different than anything you experienced. Yeah, you know what's funny? I, I kind of already thought about that because spring training technically, you know, you have a minimal amount of fans compared to when you go into a regular season. Talking, you know, 2,000, uh, maybe seven or 8,000 fans per game. Um, and then you go into a regular season. It is a little bit of a shock when you see the first time you're pitching in front of 35, 45,000 people. But I'll tell you, I mean, these guys are so competitive and they're so serious about winning. Uh, I don't think that's going to play a big factor in, uh, in the Rays, at least, but uh, in them going into a regular season, I think they'll be able to block out the fact that there's not going to be any fan noise. Um, they're going to go into an empty stadium, whether at home or on the road. And, you know, they'll be able to lock it in uh, because they know that when the lights come on, it's serious. It, it's game time. And no matter if people are watching or not um, in, in-house, uh, they want to win. And honestly, there's, there's no way you want to start slow. I mean, with a 60-game schedule, there's no room for it. So it's going to be a pennant race, essentially, and a sprint to the finish line starting from the first pitch. And I think that Kevin Cash and the coaches will be able to uh, help stay on top of these guys, help them focus on the fact that there's, there's no way you can sleepwalk through the first couple of weeks of the season. And at the same time, while you're ramping up, you have to be careful too, in a sense, Doug, because let's say you pull a calf or a hammy or something like that. I mean, that could have you out for half a season, ostensibly, right. only six right. weeks. It's amazing. I mean, you start talking about some of the things that could happen and, you know, um, COVID is a real thing, obviously, and that's something that might pop up and, and could very well pop up through the regular season with some of these teams. And not only that, but then you got uh, your typical hamstring injuries, your, your arm injuries. I mean, you get a two-week injury, two- to four-week injury, which typically, you know, that's, that's okay. It's not that big a deal. We'll bring somebody else up. And they'll fill the role for a little bit until the player can get back healthy. Well, that's not the case anymore. I mean, you go down with an injury, you're essentially missing – a quarter to a half of a season, no matter what. So it's all going to come down to, in my mind, who has the deepest roster, right? Not only at the major league level, but also at the minor league level where you got to pick some of these prospects from that could possibly help out. 
and the fact that the Rays have the number one minor league system in all of baseball, and they have had that, or at least the top three system in the last you know four or five years, that it that only is going to benefit the Rays that much more. I mean, at the major league level, these guys are healthy and they're 100% and they are ready to roll. Uh, but that being said, the facts are that you're going to have some injuries throughout the year. And we have the guys that can pop right in and replace some of our players and, uh, and do really well. So they'll be serviceable. We have a deep roster. And I really like where the Rays are positioned. Let's assume and let's look optimistically that the Rays are healthy to start the year. You have a 30-man roster. You don't have a limit on how many pitchers you can have. How many do you think the Rays would carry? And how much of that is dependent on how stretched out the starting pitchers are? Right. You're talking to a former pitcher who still thinks that pitchers are the best athletes on the team, Neil. So, um, look, I, you know, I think all joking aside, I think that you're going to see more pitching early in the uh, season. Now, remember, you start with 30, and then a couple weeks in, you drop to 28, and then a couple more weeks in, you drop to 26 on the roster. So I tend to think that they're going to carry more pitching early because the guys just simply won't be built up to be able to carry many innings. I mean, you got Charlie Morton, who's a veteran pitcher, uh, going in his mid to late 30s, so you can't rush this guy back. You got Snell, who had some injuries he worked through last year. You don't want to push him. Glass now the same way. He was injured for parts of the year last year. Uh, so you're going to have piggybacking options. You're going to have guys that go in there and multiple starters on one day. And because of that, I really think that you're going to have to have more people in the bullpen ready to carry at least one to two innings, you know, the first couple weeks. And then once guys get stretched out a little bit more, then you can tend to, you know, drop off a couple of those pitchers, maybe grab a position player here and there. But in my mind, it's really going to be the pitching early on in the season that's going to really get these teams started off fast. And I think the Rays are lined up pretty well for it. So the McKays, the Bondas, the Richards, the Beaks, they may be fairly important if we're piggybacking starters. Well, if you think about it now, the big league time that, you know, McKay got last year and now that Bonda's healthy, these guys that, you know, we saw a little bit of last year, but now they're going to be in critical roles this year, especially early on in the season. And, you know, with baseball, you always say that the first game matters just as much as the last game. Well, in a 60-game season, that, I mean, the first game is going to be critical. You can't sleepwalk through any of these games. You can't just give up on a game. So because of those younger guys' experience last year and the fact that they were able to get out there and get some innings in, you know, give up some runs, work through some struggles, I think that's going to truly benefit them going into this season. They're going to be that much more comfortable and confident, and now they're going to be able to hit the ground running. Uh, they're going to go in there and feel like they belong in the major leagues. And because of that, you know, you're going to see Brennan McKay go out there. I think he's going to have a huge role, a, a very big role in helping the Rays out this year. And, you know, top to bottom in that pitching, it's everybody's going to have to be involved, every single one of them. I mean, we have some question marks on some guys that you're hoping can come through this year, um, you know, whether it be Alvarado, uh, see if he can bounce back, which would be a huge help. I mean, if that guy comes back the way – that he pitched at times last year. I mean, you're going to see him late in the game. Uh, Castillo, you're hoping, comes out and throws as well as he did last year. Nick Anderson penciled in there uh, to really have some big innings. So, you know, top to bottom in the pitching rotation, the bullpen, they're all going to have to be involved. And uh, it's going to be – they're going to be relied upon heavily, especially early in the season. The one thing that limits overall pitching use is 
the new rule. And this basically is to try and keep teams, you know, from being in the clubhouse or in the, in the facility too long. And that is the, the extra inning rule with a runner at second. It sounds like you think it's going to be unlikely that a team would be able to carry, at least early on, let's say a guy who would be more or less a pinch runner uh, to be used late innings with the 10th inning just because they need more pitchers. Right. Well, we do have options to do that. I believe that, you know, if it was up to me, I would probably tend to carry more pitching just because I can't really – you go to extra innings, it's more of a rarity, right? You're not going to go to extra innings every night. So you do need to have a focus on what you're going to do if that happens. But I think you need to plan for the everyday games above your extra inning games. Now, that being said, we got some pretty cool options if we do want to go and put somebody on this roster that is almost strictly there for late, you know, late innings, uh, pinch running opportunities. You know, a guy like Lucius Fox is very intriguing who can just flat out fly around the bases. He's a younger guy. We might not see, but we might see. Uh, Juan DeFranco, I mean, I know everybody's talking about him ever since his name was on that 60-man roster, 60-man list. And as intriguing as it would be to see him and his athleticism uh, play out in the major leagues this year. You never know if he's going to be a part of it or not. Um, but you, we do have guys with the potential and the speed to be able to insert into that role if they want to go that route. Uh, you just don't know if you're going to see it. And I, I'm really – I think that's one of the things that's going to play out this spring. Lucius Fox, Vidal Brujan, certainly both guys who are very athletic and run and also on the 40-man, so you don't need to add them. To that roster. So overall, what's what's what are you most looking forward to over these next three four weeks as the Rays try and get themselves ready for what certainly is going to be the most unique regular season that we'll ever have? Well, I, I'll tell you, I'm looking forward to seeing this entire club stay healthy. Honestly, I think that you know anybody who has health concerns going into spring training, you do not have time to work through that anymore. Uh, it, whether it be the virus that you're dealing with, whether it be, you know, typical wear and tear on the body, uh, you have to be ready. And we're going to find out what these guys were doing in this. I don't even know if you can call it an off season or what you want to call it, but this downtime, uh, hopefully they were staying in shape and hopefully they're able to come into the spring training and get through the first two to three weeks, you know, without being injured, without coming down with any kind of illness and, and they can break with the team regular season and be ready to roll. Uh, I, I think realistically the bats are going to be a little bit behind because timing, they just really haven't had the chance to get the at bats. Uh, pitching may be a little bit of a head of the hitting just because of that. Uh, but you know what? It's all about health in my mind. And if they can stay healthy going into breaking the season, they're definitely the Rays are going to be one of the favorites to at least go deep, uh, uh, deep into the playoffs. Well, we hope that plays out that way. We hope also that uh, both of us stay healthy enough that we can see one another at the chop real soon. Doug, we appreciate some time on our latest podcast. For Neil Solance, anything. Good stuff from Doug Wechter. We mentioned that some prospects will be in Port Charlotte. The youngest pitching prospect that will be there is righty Shane Boz, who now is with us. And Shane, first of all, since so few minor leaguers are getting this opportunity, what did the call mean to you? Uh, thank you. First of all, Neil, uh, thanks for having me on as well. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. It's a it's a really really a good opportunity. I'm very grateful that I was considered, um, and I'm just really really ready to go down there and get some work done. <laughs> How hard has this been, and what are the types of things you've done to kind of stay sharp? Because this has got to be a very unique experience. Yeah, um, it's been very weird, obviously 
completely out of the norm. Everyone's really uh, kind of trying to figure out, was trying to figure out what to do with this time and kind of the future of baseball and what was going on. But I mean, honestly, I, all I did was I, uh, I pretty much built a gym like in my garage and, uh, and then would just go throw with um, like, you know, anyone I could find around here um, just throwing bullpens every once in a while, trying to stay sharp. But uh, I think I've done a really good job. I feel really good. And like, I kind of feel like how I felt right before I went to spring training, which was good and ready. So it's been, it's been all right. We've gotten through it. (laughs) How often did you actually throw bullpens? Was it once a week, once every couple of weeks? And how, what other things did you do in terms of like your running routine, your throwing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Right. Whenever we got sent home from spring training, it was kind of like no bullpens, you know, we're not going to get going anytime soon. So, you know, no need to really ramp it up. And so it kind of transitioned, you know, the Rays were great about giving us throwing programs and stuff. Um, kind of giving us a heads up as like, you know, if maybe we need to up our volume of throwing or take it back a little bit. But um, yeah, I've been throwing bullpens for probably like the past month. So yeah, I've gotten quite a few in. And has this made you appreciate the game that much more, the, the fact that, you know, you've been away from teammates, away from friends, away from your race family? Right. No, I, I definitely uh, definitely miss a lot of them. Um, it's really weird not playing baseball for so long. Um, I'd say that uh, it definitely is a good refresher as far as – you know, knowing what you have and being grateful for it and stuff. So I've been, I mean, just extremely happy, you know, getting to know that I'm going to go. So uh, it's, it's been a really big relief, but uh, yeah, it's been, I'm definitely gonna be really excited to see a lot of my, you know, buddies that I know with the Rays and coaches and everyone, honestly. What have you done beyond the baseball to stay kind of mentally sharp and not let it get to you? What type, have you picked up some hobbies? What types of things have you done? Uh, I don't know. I, I tend to separate, you know, from the field as far as like my identity. I don't know. Not a ton of, not a ton of focus on baseball. I wouldn't say all day. My mom's a musician, so I've been messing around with a lot of music stuff. Um, I don't know, a lot of video games. I know that's a popular one for sure. Um, But most of my baseball activity that I tried to do was just in my garage. Um, Besides, I was running like six days a week, doing a lot of good conditioning stuff. So I've been able to really get a pretty good, pretty good workouts in and do everything I need to do, you know, as far as, you know, before and after I'm at the field, kind of all that stuff. I've been able to do pretty much all of it at home. Can you touch on what that call was like when you found out? Because obviously with this situation, there was no guarantee for a lot of guys that they get to play this year. So I got the call from uh, Dewey Robinson and uh, he just kind of told me like, hey, we're wanting to bring you down. Um, you know, you got to be ready to go, you know, in the next few days. So you'll be getting a lot more information, really excited that you're coming down. And I, I know Dewey really well, like 
we've gotten along really well. He's, he's taught me a lot of stuff and helped me with uh, countless things. It seems like, um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to get the call from him and then to get the call from Kyle Snyder the next day was really cool too. I haven't talked to him in a bit, but yeah, it was just like, kind of like on eggshells the week before kind of like, uh, you know, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But them showing me that they value me and want me to work, I'm I'm so ready. Like that's all I want to do is just go throw so and get better. And what do you hope to learn from this? Because obviously most of the guys who are in this group, even the ones in Port Charlotte, have a lot of upper level experience. That's gonna be I think this is gonna be really good for learning for me. I'm gonna be able to meet a lot of the big league coaches, hopefully um get to meet a lot of the players and get to just like talk to the older guys about you know pick their brains and you know ask questions and just you know try and get every minute everything I can out of you know this short season that I can and it's going to be a lot of uh definitely a lot of like sponge I'm going to try and be a sponge the best I can so yeah, that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> well, we wish you the best of luck in doing so. We're very excited for you, and uh, hopefully at some point we'll see you in the, in the near term. Neil, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I hope so. <laughs> that's Shane Boz, and we hope his development in Port Charlotte goes well. Now, while they won't be in Port Charlotte, all of the Rays' draft picks for 2020 are now signed, and with us to discuss that is Senior Director of Amateur Scouting, Rob Metzler. Rob, congratulations. Thanks, Neil. It's, it's awesome when, uh, I mean, we're, we're up for any challenge that comes our way, but we, we had a relatively smooth signing period, which, uh, which makes everybody's life a little bit happier. So great, great news and excited for all, all, the, uh, all the young prospects who are starting their journey through our organization. They moved the signing deadline back to August 1st, yet you were able to get everything done within a couple of weeks of the draft. What allowed you to get it done so quickly? I know there's only six picks, but certainly in today's situation, there's a lot of complications that can arise. Yeah, I would just tip my hat to, you know, our, our medical team, you know, Aaron Scott led, led the operation. Our kind of office logistics were, were led by Sydney Malone, uh, and they just did a tremendous job of, of, you know, getting six players in and out of town, you know, what I think was very safely, very securely, uh, you know, through, through physicals and through assigning, not the normal, you know, we like to, not the normal signing process. We like to, you know, enjoy a, a great night with players and families, oftentimes on the field or in, in a suite during a major league, hopeful, hopeful raise win. You know, this, this instance was, you know, sitting in a boardroom, you know, six feet apart with masks on, but, uh, but we're happy to be able to get through it safely and, and could, you know, to answer your question, you know, it's due to the people on our team that, that were able to organize it and put it together and really in a safe manner that the players were very comfortable with, that we were comfortable with. We, we, uh, it, was, it was a successful operation. Now that everybody is signed, sealed, and delivered, what is your overall take right now of the class you assembled and how has it strengthened the system? Really thrilled with the group. And as I think we talked about right after the draft, you know, obviously unique circumstances with, with a shortened or, you know, in some cases for some of these prospects, you know, non-spring. Uh, so it's super unique circumstances, but we, 
had, you know, ended up with a balanced group between four pitchers and two position players, I guess not balanced in that there were two shortstops, but uh, that, that's something that, you know, shortstops with those skill sets we think are, uh, you know, just we'll add as many as we can, you know, when we have prospects with that kind of ability on both sides, both sides of the ball, uh, both, both halves of the inning. Um, and then, you know, with pitchers, we got two high school arms that, that we view as, as real traditional starting pitching prospects, uh, you know, that, that our group, our development group has had a ton of success in, in developing. And, and we got two college arms, you know, in Ian Seymour and Jeff Hakinson who, you know, have just made steady progress and in both cases, a little bit different, you know, Ian, you know, has, has a higher starter likelihood, somebody more likely, you know, to develop in a starter role, uh, but a little bit unique, just, you know, a little bit more effort, you know, not as traditional of a starting pitcher look as, as the two high school arms that we took. Um, and then Jeff Hakinson, who was, you know, just really, you know, his ascent as, as a bullpen weapon was something we were really excited to be able to add in the fifth round. So ended up being a very balanced group and, and all of which we think have, have a real chance to develop, compete, and eventually make an impact, you know, on, on our major league roster. Normally, when you sign a draft class or sign a player out of a draft, you assign them to a team and get them started on their pro career. Unique circumstances now. So did you send them home with uh, a development plan from the organization. How did that all work out? Yeah, led by you know Dewey Robinson came in and spent, all the pitchers who came into town. Dewey spent some time with them. We also did. They all also did Zoom calls. You know, with a group of coordinators, strength, you know, strength and conditioning, mental skill. All, all of the developmental team we have in place spent some has spent some time with these prospects over Zoom. Similarly. Uh, for for Alika and Tanner Murray, you know, they, they spent time with Michael Johns and also had a similar Zoom call. So, again, you know, everybody's looking for answers. You know, the, you know what, what's next? And, and the answer is, I don't know. But in terms of the, the one thing that we can guarantee, have full faith in our developmental team, you know, that there's going to be a lot of communication, you know, in terms of giving pitchers, you know, some sense of what, what a throwing program, all of these arms are, you know, have, have been very active in terms of training during, during the off, during this quarantine period. Um, so, you know, just trying to make sure what they're doing fits with, you know, we're not asking them to make any significant changes to that plan, but at least, you know, have them aware of what, what we've given our prospects, you know, who have been in the system. Uh, similarly, position players running, throwing, you know, I think in, in all cases, the guys like to swing the bat. They like to take ground balls, but making sure they're running so that you know, their legs are under them, making sure that there's plenty of throws so that when we are able to get, whenever that time comes where we are able to get prospects on the field, that the transition, you know, one, we can transition them into a competitive environment in as healthy a manner as possible. You have not as a group signed any non-drafted free agents to this point. I know you've had success with that in the past. Is that how much of that has to do with the depth of the system and the uncertainty right now for uh, minor league baseball? Next I year? think that's a lot that that has a lot to do with it. We, we um, inside, I mean, we did actively and are still pursuing, you know, some names, uh, some prospects who are, we think would be valuable additions. Um, but, but very cognizant of the fact that, you know, if, you know, if we add, there's a good chance that, you know, that's going to put us in a numbers crunch where a prospect that we don't want to subtract might, might have to come off, come off the books. So then, you know, whenever that time comes, we're not entirely sure. There's a lot of uncertainty around that, but just very aware that, you know, 
you know, of a potential roster crunch, you know, down the road in our system. So did not want to, you know, we were very, it was a very select group that we pursued and some, some ended up, you know, it was not a large group of few decided to sign with other clubs. A few decided that they were going to stay in school. Um, and then there's a few more that we continue dialogue with. So, so we will see, uh, feel really comfortable, you know, our, you know, it was a multifaceted communication effort in terms of what our organization has to offer. Um, you know, it would have liked to add a prospect or two or three so far, disappointed the way it's turned out, but, you know, really comfortable with how we presented ourselves and how we communicated. And while you pursue those remaining prospects that are unsigned, you're also working on the class of 2021. Give our fans an idea, what can you do right now? Um, and what are the restrictions? So the, the current, um, the current major league restrictions, you know, there was a, I was, you know, scouting ban, you know, leading up to the draft, which we were completely supportive of just, you know, in terms of keeping everybody safe and healthy and on an even playing field. And following the draft, we lifted those restrictions and across the league, we're allowed three, you know, three scouts at any event, uh, which essentially promotes much more localized activity. So we, you know, there are more high school activities going on currently than, than college, although college leagues, the Florida Collegiate Baseball League is starting up today. Uh, so we are, our scouts mostly out of cars will be, will be traveling around to see, you know, as, as amateur baseball ramps back up this summer, uh, they're traveling around and seeing anything, anything that they can within, you know, within safety guidelines, you know, we're, we're you know, when possible, you know, we're, we, our medical team, again, I praised them before for getting, players in and out for physicals, but they've been really communicative and proactive in terms of what is healthy for our scout, you know, how to stay as safe as possible in this time. So if we are, you know, if the hotel room is, you know, something that really makes sense, how do we do that as safely as possible? If, you know, in the limited cases where flights make sense, how do we do that as safely as possible? And, and uh, so our scouts are out, you know, doing the best they can, you know, with, with the events that are out there, you know, more so on the high school front, I, th I think as, you know, there, there's a college league in Texas. There, there are more and more college leagues that are popping up because the prospects, you know, whether, whether it be our prospects in the system or, or young prospects who are hoping to sign in 2021 or 2022, they need to play. You know, they need to compete. They need to throw innings. They need at-bats. You know, that, that's, how, that's how you get better. And, and uh, you know, this, this year's presented real challenges there. And, you know, excited, excited that we're starting to take safe steps towards, you know, returning to the field. And because there have been a lot of college leagues that aren't playing right now, the Cape Cod League, right, is, is not playing. Which of the yeah, others are not this year? The Cape League was canceled. You know, it would be <laughs> going league by league. You know, the, the Northwoods League should, you know, is, is going to get going in a little bit. The uh, Alaska League is is not happening. The looks like there's going to be some kind of, you know, the traditional California League is not happening, but there will be some college action out there. The Texas League is, you know, which had been a little bit smaller in the past, is ramping up a little bit as, as Texas, you know, more of those kids can play, you know, who live there in the, throughout the summer will be able to play out of their their home. So it's been across the baseball world, just like we're seeing at, at the major league level. It's been, you know, a story of adapting to the times and, and in areas where they're all where it seems to be a little safer and we can, you know, where there are more players who are able to play out of their you know, out of their family's houses where probably safer than staying with a host family. Uh, you're seeing more leagues and teams within those leagues pop up. So, and in those cases, our, our, our staff are excited to get out 
watch those players play. And it'll probably be require a little patience as they've had, you know, they've had three, three and a half months off from competitive baseball. So, uh, you know, I think the month of July and early August has, has a, uh, has a chance to be very productive. And we're also very, <laughs> very curious, like a lot of others around the country and, and hopeful that, that college campuses, you know, find a way to operate safely this fall so that, so that we can have a, yeah, a productive fall with with a lot of these good college prospects who should get back on campus and you know generally whether it be inner squads or or you know competitive games you know against offsite competition uh it'd be really exciting if, if that's able to happen we'll we'll, we'll see and we'll, we'll we'll evolve and adapt with with every bit of information we get well if there's a prospect to be seen i'm sure you guys will find a way to get to see them over the next several months rob we appreciate some time and wish you best of luck as you get ready for 2021. Thanks, Neil. Really appreciate it. That is Rob Metzler, and we appreciate having him on the podcast today, along with lefty Colin Pochet, Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun, and prospect Shane Boss. We're still doing these interviews over Zoom, and if there's someone you want to hear from, just let us know. Tweet at Neil Solons or at Rays Radio. We will do our best to provide spring training coverage in the meanwhile before the regular season and our broadcasts there begin. Continue to follow our blog, raiseradio.moblogs.com. We will have another alumni podcast on Friday. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, please wear your mask, and we will talk with you soon.